Hello, and welcome to this episode of Artists in Depth. I'm Alan Powell, and together with my co-host Bill Key, we talk with guest artists and explore links between their creativity and their identity. No matter your choice of expression, Artists in Depth provides an opportunity for the listener to ask the same questions of themselves that are being asked of our guests and to reflect on their own identity through the work they've created. And without further ado, let's get on with our podcast. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives. Our guest today is Emile Pendolfi, a professional pianist and entertainer based in South Carolina, USA. Emile has over 40 years professional experience and has recorded and released over 30 albums. Emile has sold over 4.5 million copies in the USA and has reached more than 750 million collective views online. His concert performances include St. Mark's Square in Venice, the Catherine Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, Liverpool Cathedral in the UK, and Sydney Opera House in Australia. From his early performances on cruise ships to his current solo performance career in concert halls, Emile has used his musical arrangements of classical songs as a vehicle for powerful emotional connection. Our discussion included talking about his book, Play It Like You Mean It, Supercharge Your Playing and Let Your Piano Work For You, which is a layman's guide for students to understand who they are as pianists and make artistic choices that are authentic. We also talked about the courage to accept our authentic selves, warts and all, and how music is the language of our soul. Perhaps if I asked you to, if you could simply give us um, an introduction to your work, not just as an arranger, but from the perspective of your book for the, for the listener. Yes. Well, the, uh, the whole subject of um, play it like you mean it comes from, I'm very much, and I mentioned this in my book, very much an empiricist. I don't have the uh, therapist training, for example, and I don't have, uh, I've, I've, my flirting with philosophy and psychology is just that, uh, but I'm an empiricist. And I, I stress that because finding out who you are as an artist and how you create what you create to me is stepping outside yourself and seeing what do I default to? What kind of books do I like? What kind of artwork do I like? Um, if, I, if you were to ask two artists to draw um, a, a horse and carriage, uh, a Raphael and a Chagall, how different would they be because of who they are? And if, mm. you're, if you're a student of music, uh, this is for, the book is directed for students who are wanting to in, improve their ability to communicate to other people. If you, if you would look outside yourself and say, how would my friends impersonate me? What about me is that when I, from the viewpoint of a pianist, when I sit down at the piano to try out, a, to find out the voice of a new piano that I haven't met before, where do my hands naturally go? Do I play loud and disjunct things, or do I play smooth, flowing melodies, or do I start at the middle of the piano to start at the upper end? I, I guess I've always watched myself do what I do, and I see how do I behave with other people? Am I a good listener? Am I do I do all the talking? Do I think I'm funny? Do I think I'm serious? Uh, and all of those things, I, I guess they just it's sort of um, 
dumbing down to, yeah, this is who I am because this is what I, what kind of foods I like, where's, what stores do I go to the mall or do I go to a, a Saks Fifth Avenue or do I, uh, all, all the things that I do on a daily basis, what is my default place? And, and the reason I'm going on about this is because I think some students don't know who they are artistically, yet they probably already do know. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the, the thrust mm -hmm. of the book. So what, yeah. what, what you've just described, you know, about the, your students not knowing who they are, thinking that they don't know who they are, but actually knowing who they are. And, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I'm guessing that it's about helping them to channel that or to explore that or to find that, find who they are. Yeah, is that, is and, that? And I think not only find who they are, but not be afraid of what they find. You know. Oh yeah. You said something interesting in the in the prologue that I was listening to uh, before this, was that people are evolving at, at all times, and they may have been. This may be their artistic thrust, one day or one year or ten years of their life, but they're evolving, and so they could have a, a new a new them, a new persona. And yeah. I thought that was just fascinating because I feel like. The thrust of your basic personality, according to me, uh, seems to s stay through your life. If you're a, a kind person, I think you stay kind. If I think if you're a mean person, you stay mean. But these other things evolve, and how you express that evolves. Mm. So uh, I liked what you said about that. There is an evolution happening, and but but the basic thrust of what you believe in is, I believe, is how you create your art. I don't try to be something that I'm not. So I think so I think when when you're performing whatever your art form is, the sincerity comes across because that's who you are. And if you're a, a rap artist, you better be a sincere rap artist. And if you're a classical mm. artist, you better be a sincere one. I think, I think people detect sincerity somehow. Yes, I, I, I completely agree with you. And you play as a musician yourself. Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. how you feel when you're playing. Mm. Um, is something that's re that really fascinates me in that, for instance, as a not professional musician, not particularly practiced, I find that what's going on for me internally when I'm playing, and not least because of the nerves of wanting to express that piece of music correctly or, you know, not make mistakes, etc. Um, there's, you know, how, how, whether I'm relaxed or not, really plays a big part you know how good i feel about myself how confident i feel in the piece of music I, I feel comes out in the expression of the music as well and i wonder if you can speak to that i mean beyond yeah well you just need to practice more do you know mm -hmm. what i mean um right. well well again let's take the uh let's say you are, have practiced enough and you know you're you know what you're doing on the uh to me when i'm playing uh, performing for people, I am a listener along with them. And I'm thinking, what would satisfy me when this, when this phrase goes from here and it builds and builds and builds, and then it has a nice denouement. And what is satisfying to me as a listener? Because so, no matter how, how schooled I am, when I'm listening to other people play, I'm not, I'm not sitting here intellectually parsing back what they did. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, wow, I was moved or I wasn't moved. Or I was involved, and my my viewpoint on both arranging and performing live is 
you have to engage the, the listener's attention because of a very good reason, like da -da -da -da, you, you got it. And now you have to hold it for the entire, the, the piece of music has to go somewhere. So as far as from an arranger viewpoint, my general approach is to set the scene. If, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm just sitting there listening, saying, gosh, that is really, that's really pretty. Uh, that's how I approach it. I the I like this idea that you're talking about when you think talk about being the listener as well as the player, the communicator. Uh, and you said earlier about the ability uh, to connect with other people. Uh, mm -hmm. it, uh, one of the keys to that is self-awareness. Is what? Self-awareness. Oh, yeah. Um, and so here you are now talking about being the listener, which is pretty much being self-aware hmm. of what you're communicating to other people. That's, um, I like to explore that a little bit more. Is there anything, Neil, that you can say about that? That's yeah. yeah let, me, I, let me think about it. Um, self-aware. I think the self-aware part is I have observed this over my lifetime. How do I behave toward other people? How do I behave in in uh, 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 tr emotionally trying situations. Um, uh, when I'm angry, when I'm sad, how do I how do I respond to those things? And that has kind of for me, I've always been aware of myself in that way. And so, so I don't I don't necessarily apply it to my playing, but my playing is a demonstration of those things about me. There's something to be said, though, about acceptance of who you are. Oh, there is that. Yeah, yeah. Say more. Okay. Well, <clears throat> there are things about who I am that I just don't like. But I, I, now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've been around a long time. I'm, I'm an older guy. I just have to live with it. You know, <laughs> it's I sort of the. Uh, it's kind of like looking in the mirror and saying, "This is how I look." I mean, <laughs> it's just <laughs> you have to take all of it together. But I, I guess on on stage, I would naturally emphasize those characteristics and qualities about me that I do like and uh, push the other ones down. <laughs> I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but that's that's what I would do. I, I'd love to hear your view on that. In the communication, I, I'm curious to know. Um, I'm going to push it back to you, Neil. Um, I mean, I, I, I understand I have uncovered uh, things that, about me that at one time uh, I before I uncovered them, I didn't like. And that's mm -hmm. why I kept them covered. That's why they're in the dark. Uh, when I face them, the darkness, um, I, no, I, I no longer disliked them, but accepted them. And they became part of me. Uh, whether that be uh, ego that, is, uh, that wants to be seen, I want to be acknowledged or recognized. That's something that, you know, I say, no, no, that's not, just, you know, just be small and then you know one day you wake up and you say no no you know what i'm not going to be small anymore i'm going to be just as big as that person over there because i deserve that that's something that i now accept um then there's other parts of me other uh, that um uh whatever they might be and there's lots uh as they come out of the darkness when i accept them i like them so you're, what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is that there are things that you have kept in the dark, you don't like, 
and you're not going to bring that into your compositions uh, and, and use it to communicate with others. Uh, well, you're a wiser man than I uh, for a start. I'm serious about that. I, I, I have never particularly explored that because I, again, I left those things covered up. Uh, that's something I have to go forward and look at after this conversation because uh, it, it uh, I don't want to see them. <laughs> it's not i don't want to see my i don't see myself as some kind of perfection but but <laughs> that's interesting um i i admire that and i and i genuinely will give that a look as you know as the time goes forward I, well this uh, this, is, this isn't this isn't a, a therapeutic session yeah. <laughs> it's just a question um yeah. so i'm curious then uh about do you feel that the the audience that you attract are the same way that they would rather focus on the positives of themselves rather than look into the darkness? Well, uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. I haven't made that uh, assumption one way or the other. But what I do know is that, and, and it's a it's a thrust of mine uh, artistically, is that rather than it's traditional to say that music is an international language. You can say that about an art form, but I think emotion is an international language. And I think that people feel the deliciousness of an emotion in an intense way, even if it is a dark emotion. Uh, when you, uh, the emotional content is the thing that grabs and holds attention, I believe. And for example, we all love, Romeo and Juliet. We would never, never, ever want that in our real lives. But there's a deliciousness about that tragic sadness that feels, makes you feel like you're really alive and you're ex experiencing life at its in most intense. And, th and that's what art does for you. It takes you places that you would never want to go in real life. It's even like riding a roller coaster. You, you don't want that in your real emotional life, but but the experience of that kind of emotion, intense emotion, is the thing that draws people in, I believe. And again, you you put it out there, you hope that it communicates with your listener. Well, what we're talking about here is is the um, is music drawing out the emotions, music touching us in different ways and bringing and and touching different emotions within us. And what what I'm thinking about, what I'm hearing is that. There needs to be in that room where you are on the stage playing the music for two hours and the audience are listening to you a, a, a kind of for it to be most effective or for a mutual agreement that we are going to touch some feelings within ourselves. And, and, and uh, I guess working, you know, thinking therapy as, as a therapist, much of what goes on in our in our daily lives is we don't want to feel the sadness we don't, you know, of our own lives, perhaps we might be touched by Romeo and Juliet or, or, you know, um, something else that, 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 you know, and there's a deliciousness to that. Sometimes we might not though. And so they're kind of, you know, the audience is, is going to be there because they are willing to touch those emotions mm -hmm. within themselves at that time. And what you're, um, the way you describe the way you play and the way you arrange is that you are, you know, you, you're quite into the idea of reaching the emotional, peak of the piece of music mm -hmm. that you're that you're playing um but i guess you know i 
because I work with a lot of people who don't know whether they're sad or not, or don't know whether they're angry or not, you know, mm. and, 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 are, and are kind of there over the long term to, to say, okay, well, I might be interested in allowing myself to touch this. But in that room, in that moment, there's a kind of suspension of the outside world and you, and you might hit a series of notes in a certain way that, that triggers that sadness that they, you know, um, and I guess I was thinking from my perspective, you know, I'll be listening to the radio and someone like, for instance, Joni Mitchell will come on and I'll find myself in tears unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. because of, and it's and it purely because of not only her delivery, but a series of notes played in a certain way awakens something in my in my subconscious, in my nervous system that that brings out an emotion in me that I that I may not have wanted to go mm -hmm. to at that moment. But 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 do, you know, and I think that I I'm not asking you a question necessarily, although you can expand on that, but it, 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 this is what's coming out for me in what you're describing in. in yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I think, I, I think the thing that occurs to me when I uh, talk about that is that whether a person is willing to go there or not, it, in, in the arts, it's a safe place to go to experience those emotions. Maybe in real, real life, you know, you don't want to, but it's, it's, it's a safe place. I remember one, uh, one young man who was that I was talking to ages ago, who said that he felt like scary movies that kids see scary movies, they have uh, the, 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 even in the Disney movies, the Cinderella and the Snow White, there's always a bad guy. Well, it's a, it's a way to introduce you to that there is evil in the world, but it's a say it's over there. And it's a safe place to start experiencing those fears and those things and then come back to your real life and you're okay and find out that you're okay. But again, those, uh, all of those emotions, those dark ones included are, are part of the whole psychological makeup, I guess. What Bill, you were describing just before, um, you were talking, cause you were talking about, uh, lyrics or, uh, or, um, music being composed, uh, put together in a certain way, so many notes, and then you hit something, um, and it sounds to me that that's what Emil loves doing is arranging music in a way that makes people feel that's authentic for him. Is that, would that be fair to say? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, um, you know, interestingly it's authentic to me, but, but because I'm a performer, if I, I have over the years and I, I've always looked at this at the end of the, of a show, I say, no, what, what do people walk out talking about or what do they, you don't always necessarily know that but you find over time that some of your i thought this is my greatest tune that i love well it didn't communicate but this next one which i thought was okay really made a, an impact on a lot of because a lot of people mentioned it that maybe they do it on facebook or they talk to other people or your, your friends tell you what they heard and so you don't always know it, it, you want to be authentic, but you don't know, know that it's successful again on getting across to the other person. You, you buy someone a book for a present and you hope they like the book, but if they don't, there's not a thing you can do about it. Right. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that sometimes, even though as authentic as you are, it, it, that doesn't, that's not the ingredient to, for, it's not a main ingredient for success or it doesn't always factor into success. Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying? Yeah, because for example, um, I can think of some artists that are very, very authentic, and it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, and I think in in the um, in the visual arts, I have 
artists that I like and ones that I don't. That's just me. And they're mm. equally authentic and sometimes extremely talented. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just a, I mean, that, that's a matter of, of, of any stuff, I guess. Yeah, but the, the important thing is to be authentic. Yeah, well, that's interesting, is that the piece that you're talking about in the book is be authentic and how to be creative and how to be yourself. But then again, you're saying, but people may not like that. So, right, right. right. Well, <laughs> no, it, it's, I mean, there's not a thing you can do about it. It's just like, you know, someone, I mean, but, but what thing you can do about it is, is, is give them everything you've got sincerely. And then so yeah, exactly. So it's it's in this in uh, in that world of being authentic, giving it all you got, and then acceptance. Um, I mean, that's what artists struggle with all the time, isn't it? Or do they? Or like the, the artists, some artists create and they say it's not about being accepted; it's about expressing who I am. And if you don't like that, that's fine. Right now, I have a, a slightly skewed viewpoint on that. I, I do believe in being authentic, but as I said a little bit before, if I find out over time that this part of my authenticity just doesn't work for for many people, because I'm in, I'm a, I think of myself as an entertainer, not just a pianist, an entertainer. And I think if you're if you really genuinely don't care, well, absolutely play whatever you like, and and hopefully, and then and you think, and it's not uh, if it's not a career. Um, because the, the thing is, if you're having a career as it, and you want to be successful, well, then you you need to do. Uh, for me, I have to be an entertainer on stage. I have a lot of humor in my show too. I talk to the audience and so forth. But uh, so I'm 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 not going to compromise my artistic ability, but I'm going to pick and choose amongst those things that I most like to do, which ones. Uh, communicate the best over time just by observation and, and people the thing is that people will always tell you audience will always tell you the good parts they don't tell you the bad parts but you can tell by they never talk about this tune that I play so they just sort of mentioned mm -hmm. it yes he played that too but the one I really liked so you have to you have to be willing to look at yourself and look at what you the gift you gave them and did they like it or not so I think now you're talking about product uh, and what it is about making a living and it's a business and that's it's all true. I mean, you're not going if you want to go out there and make a living and you're getting consistently fed back to you that this song isn't working and that isn't working. Why would you keep doing it? Because you want to increase your audiences and, and, mm. and get so yeah, that would make sense. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I am here. We're, we're talking about in a way commerciality here and and and. What I'm hearing you talk about, uh, Emil, is the balance between authenticity and, uh, you know, and making a living, really. But but what I what I what I guess is a, a, a true statement is that whatever you present, if it has authenticity, then that is a quality in itself, which will which will carry to your audience, large or small, in that you know who, who the audience who resonate with that specific type of music or you know um you know those types of pieces i have a question for you and that is, is can you tell me the reason why you don't compose uh you know i i'll, I'll try i have i on our previous talk with them um, with alan i said 
yes, I could sit down right now because I have the techniques and the theory behind me and sit down and write a melody and it would be an okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to put something okay into the world. For some reason, I, I don't have an impulse. First of all, I don't have a desire to compose. Uh, but I, when I do sit down, I mean, I will, I've done it hundreds of times and I have a, a fat book of things that I say, these all suck, but <laughs> I, I wrote them down, you know, and, and I, I just am not good at it. It's sort of like, I may want to paint, but I just <laughs> have no talent for it. I, I don't know how else to explain it because I've been asked that numerous times because within my arrangements, I might play. Uh, an old standard, and then in between, I'll, I'll write an interlude that is original music, but it it's it's like a parenthetical expression about what the the phrase we just played the phrase, and now I I amplify it in some way that I say uh, again, you know, he went to the store, and then I say, yeah, I went to the store, and he did this, and he did that, and he did the other, and that's my parenthetical expression, but it's original music, but it's goes along with what what I was just playing, so I can do that easily and i love doing it but when i sit down to write a brand new tune they come out vanilla okay and so i just don't do it i have something like two songs in my life that i wrote that i think are good songs and uh that's it <laughs> i think i just don't have a gift for it <laughs> well thank you for that and that is i guess part of the the thing of self-acceptance yeah was there a time in your life when you really wanted to be a composer and then you came to a place where you you felt actually no i'm no nope, never oh, okay <laughs> uh emil it's it has been wonderful uh talking with you uh it's been enlightening um also just to know how, how you work and where you and how you come from where you come from when you approach your uh, arrangements so thank you for that. Thank you. I really thank you for having me as a guest. I haven't had a discussion like this in forever. <laughs> so this is really nice. Thanks, Emil. Lovely to have met you and uh, all the Great. best for your continuing work. Thank you. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. If you've been inspired or moved by what you've heard on today's podcast, I invite you to visit our website, artistsindepth.com. There you can sign up for podcast reminders, get in touch with us through email, or connect with other like-minded artists by sharing your thoughts on our blog and joining our community and finding out more about our initiatives. It's free and it's rewarding. Until next time. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives.